You're listening to episode 26 of the Bass Guitar Worship Blender podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Bass Guitar Worship Blender podcast. I'm Brent, and I am the host of the podcast. And today's episode, I've got a few things to talk about. It's been a a little bit since the last podcast, as usual, Uh, even though I said in the last podcast I was going to have one out like twice a month or something like that. But hey, I'm still working on it, And uh, but I've got a lot of information since the uh, last podcast. So uh, let's go ahead and get started. Segment 1. Brent's Bass Quest for the Perfect Next Bass. There's always a next bass. So I made a hard decision. Actually, I made the decision last year, but I actually went through with it this year. And last year I decided to sell my Stingray basses, which uh, was kind of a hard thing to uh, to do because I've had both of those basses for over 20 years. One's a fretted and one's a fretless, and they're really, really, really nice basses. But um, yeah, preferences change. The uh, weights on the bass are, they're pretty heavy. They're boat anchors. So they're both the, at least 10 and a half pounds or heavier. Uh, so, and also I've really been finding that I'm more and more preferring a wider string spacing of about 19 millimeters. Uh, so yeah, I, you know, the sitting rays definitely don't have that there. They are a much thinner string spacing. And I was just finding that, uh, I just felt too cramped on the, uh, the neck of the stingray. And also over time, as I've been getting back, really back into playing my jazz a lot, just finding I really, I, you know, I've, I've always liked the jazz bass. I've always felt comfortable on the jazz bass, but I kind of fooled myself for many years thinking that uh, the Stingray was more for me, and it really was for me for a long while. It's a great bass, and I really felt like I could play better on it, and and technically it's, you know, the the quality and the workmanship on that bass is far superior than my, uh, my Fender Jazz. I mean, it's just nine day difference. But it's kind of like a comfortable pair of jeans, you know, the, the jazz is still comfortable and uh, you can go out and get it messy and not really worry about it, you know, whereas the nice dress clothes might, you know, really, you know, be super sharp and well-tailored and look nice, but you just don't want to go playing outside <laughs> with, with you know, your nice clothes on. So it kind of feels like the same thing. And so I just realized, yeah, I'm just more of a jazz bass, 19 string spacing kind of guy. And uh, also, I think tone-wise, I just tend, I think I'm preferring more the the uh, single coils sound of the, uh, of the, uh, the jazz bass. And then also, I'm also liking the, the Bartolini soap bar sound of my, of my EHB bass, the one I got a couple years ago. And actually that bass, that's really the bass that kind of really ruined it for me for the Stingrays because after you wear one of those during a service and then try to uh, wear a, uh, a stingray base that's you know three or four pounds heavier and doesn't balance anywhere near as well as the EHB. Nothing balances as well as the EHB. It's just impossible to, to switch back to a heavy base like that. So the, the EHB just kind of destroyed um, my desire to keep playing stingrays. And another thing too is I find that 
when I play the jazz bass, I almost feel like I have to work harder at it. But at the same time, I tend, my fingers tend to move around. I tend to finesse the bass a lot more to really get more out of the instrument. I really feel more like I'm playing it. Whereas the, the stingrays, they just, I just kind of feel like I, I play the minimal amount of notes necessary because it just sounds like that's the way the bass wants to be played. I just don't find myself being as exploratory, I guess you could say, with the uh, stingrays. So all of that le led up to telling you that, yeah, I sold. I finally sold the uh, stingrays. I tried last year unsuccessfully. Uh, I even uh, posted some videos on my channel and I tried to do the uh, the local marketplace on, on Facebook, but that didn't work out. I sold some other things uh, on Facebook, but not not these bases because I was hoping to not have to go through the trouble of of shipping them. But really, um, well, and then well, let me back up a little bit more. So uh, I did, actually was going to try and I was like, well, I, I'm not selling them on Facebook Marketplace. I'm going instead of trying to sell them on eBay or or uh, reverb and have to deal with shipping. That's just a pain. So I'll just take my bases down to Base Central in Orlando, which is a few hours away, and just trade them in. I know I'll take a, a hit on the uh, the value of the instrument on the trade-in value, but I'll you know trade it in for something that I want. And I went down there with the bases, and they're like, "Oh yeah, we can't just do that on the spot. You have to let us know in advance, and our owner has to." look at them and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, I, I didn't, I, I showed up with both bases and, and went home with both, both bases, but I did get a chance to play some other stuff there. That was really cool and get the experiment with some bases, but I took the bases home and thought, okay, well, I guess I got to go through this process. They told me, but then I thought, and eh, maybe, maybe I'll just try selling online again and give in and see if it's, you know, if it's not too much of a big deal to, um, to uh, do the shipping. And I'm glad I did because I definitely would have gotten a lot more. Oh, I got a lot more out of selling them outright than I would have if I did the trade in. And also, uh, really wasn't too bad doing the shipping. Um, I, I've shipped instruments before and it seemed like it was always a pain and really expensive, but actually it worked out pretty well this time. And I only had to ship one of them because then it turns out one of the buyers was nearby and uh, he was able to come in person and pick it up. So, so that was a good thing. It, I only had to ship one base. And the, also what's cool is I, I believe both of the base players that, that bought my two stingrays were both involved either currently or in the past with worship music. So that was cool. And the thing, too, that, you know, I was finding that I was really having an emotional attachment to these bases, and that's why it, it took me longer than it should have to decide to sell them. And I just want to make sure that I'm not having emotional attachments to things, material things. And so I think it was healthy to just say, you know what, I just need to, I just need to sell these. It's okay. Life won't end. And there's always plenty of nice bases out there. And yeah, I won't ever probably own bases as nice as these, but I was hardly playing them anymore because they just they weren't the right fit for me anymore. So glad I did it. And uh, however, 
you know, like, like I mentioned, one of the bases is a fretless. And I really haven't found myself playing fretless too much anymore. Um, I really enjoy playing fretless live, and it sounds great when you play it live. But for some reason, when I play it at home, I hardly ever, never <laughs> practice on the fretless. I only take it with me to when I've, you know, I'm taking it when I'm playing it at a service and, and play it there and, and then enjoy it. And I take it home and try to play it. And I just don't, I never have f- any fun practicing with the fretless. It just sounds wrong to me when it's played by itself. And so I haven't been playing that much. So I was thinking, well, when I sell the fretless, I'll just sell it. And I probably won't have a fretless for, I won't worry about that too much, but I hadn't played it live in a service for, for at least a year or so. So I thought, well, I'm selling it. It's getting ready to, to be shipped out. Um, actually it was the day before somebody purchased it. So I thought, well, I'll take it to one more last service and I'll, I'll just play it at a service, kind of its last hurrah. And that was at my church that I play at on Wednesday night. And that was probably the best worship bass playing experience I ever had at that church. So I was like, I can't believe now I'm selling this thing. Um, but so yeah, it looks like I'm going to have to buy another fretless when I thought I was going to hold off for a little while on fretless. So yeah, I've been looking at fretless basses as well as fretted. And the, the thing that kind of rekindled my interest again this year on selling the basses after I kind of gave up last year was I was in the local guitar center. They had to use MTD, a, a Saratoga. And I thought, hey, I'll check this out. And I'll be honest, the Saratoga, this was the first time I ever really seen one in person and I've only seen pictures of them seen bass players with them I always thought that's an ugly looking bass that's just yeah that's ugly that doesn't look right it doesn't look like an like what an MTD is supposed to look like well when you see one in person it's like oh I kind of get it now this is like really cool this is like you know a jazz bass style and it's really quite um I hate to use the word sexy but it's really quite sexy when you when you see it live uh i know that's a horrible word to use for an instrument but uh you get what i'm saying it's it's a good looking aesthetically pleasing instrument and it's a nice playing instrument this thing played really nice i really like the asymmetrical neck on it so i thought this uh this could be uh something to uh to look into and jazz bass stylings uh you know jazz bass pickups um active passive Um, But on this particular used one, they wanted way too much money for it. You can buy them new for like $1,100. This one was at least eight years old based on the serial number. Um, It had somebody had swapped out the preamp with an aftermarket preamp and which did not have the active passive circuit or the the uh, passive tone control Um, a lot of the hardware on it was pretty aged looking um, pretty rough looking it played spectacularly but it definitely had a lot of age on it and a lot of hard use on it and they wanted nine hundred dollars for it so it's like um yeah i could buy a brand new one for two hundred dollars more so they wouldn't even negotiate down on price they're like yeah this is our price this is what this is what it is. It's like, okay, um, thank you very much. I'll be leaving. Um, but yeah, definitely a nice base. So it definitely turned me on to the Saratoga. Now I think the Saratoga is like the most beautiful looking base out there. So um, it's funny how quickly your your tastes can change. So the, uh, the, so the Saratoga is now what I'm uh, looking to get. I've been shopping online, looking around. I'm also planning on Going back to uh, Base Central and checking out one there, um, but I just haven't had a chance to do that yet. And in the meantime, I found a Lakeland, a 5501, which um, 
is not necessarily what I was looking for, but I've always liked Lakeland bases, and I've talked about the experience I had with a Lakeland base on this podcast many episodes ago that I really fell in love with. It was such a wonderful playing and sounding instrument. But the reason why I, I, I really wasn't thinking I was going to go with a Lakeland is because, well, they're they're heavy. <laughs> they're typically heavy bases, and I, the whole goal of selling my Stingrays was to, to trade down or trade up to a lighter base. So going with a heavy Lakeland really wasn't, it didn't seem like a practical solution. And since I really like the neck on the uh, MTD Saratoga, it's like, okay, well, this is the direction to go then uh, is the MTD. Um, but then um, I, I've always still had a, I think, you know, I've always had an interest in, in Lakeland bases. Uh, I just wish they were lighter. And then I just happened in the classifieds on talk base. I saw a guy who was selling his Lakeland, like I said, a 5501, and it was under eight pounds. And I thought, um, this might be a sign from God. <laughs> so, uh, uh, and it was, you know, very well priced. And uh, so I was like, okay, well, you know, it's used and it's already, you know, I'm buying it already at its depreciated value. So I could try it out. And if I don't like it, I can always sell it for around the same price. And yeah, it's under eight pounds, which is incredibly light. I mean, it's not like, you know, uh, it's not like a super light, like a Sandberg super light, which of course I would love to own one of those too. I've played those and those are really nice and remarkably light bases at under seven pounds or like six and a half pounds. And that's just crazy. So this is a kind of, I guess you could say it's kind of like a, a poor man's super light. So it's very rare to find uh, Lakelands under eight pounds. And I just felt like I, I got to take this chance and go ahead and buy this base. So I did. And Oh, gosh darn it, it's like totally ruined me again. It's like changed all my perspectives again on, on bases. And here's why. Um, because it's got a really, to me, a really fat neck on it. I mean, it's it's I'm used to, you know, my preferences are jazz bases and you know, the, the more thinner necks, when I say thin, you know, the 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 not the string spacing, but the actual width when you're holding it in your hand between like your thumb and your fingers. Um, whereas this base is really wide. So your, your left hand is like more, it's like further apart. It's wider when you're holding it. And I didn't think that I would like that. And I actually thought that that would not be as good ergonomically, but it turns out that it actually is fantastic. Um, I've been playing it and I'm realizing, okay, number one, I've never had a a 35 scale base. This is a 35 scale base. And it's got a fatter neck, which I thought would not be as comfortable to play. But yet, this is like such an incredibly comfortable bass to play. And the I can actually I feel like I can play the bass longer without hand fatigue. And I've been playing it a ton since I bought it. I got it about almost three weeks ago, and just been using it pretty much exclusively. Now, my other bass that's super comfortable, my EHB, my Ibanez EHB, which is just a wonderful bass. I've talked about it on this podcast. And this bass, um, you know, it, it's like, oh, great. You know, the HB kind of ruined me for heavy basses. And now this uh, this Lakeland is kind of ruining me for full-size full uh, standard basses. So, uh, yeah, it's I'm really, really enjoying this bass a lot. So, yeah, I'm still looking at the, the Saratoga. But now suddenly I'm like not as uh, – I'm not – 
I'm not in as much of a hurry, <laughs> I guess you could say. But I do want to, I really would love to have both bases and kind of have them, you know, put them up against each other, kind of ABM against one another and let them fight it out and see which one wins. But uh, yeah, the Lakeland is really nice. Um, the only thing I can say is that um, I would probably want to upgrade it um, if keeping, well, I, I'm pretty sure I'll be keeping that thing. It's it's light and it's wonderful to play. Um, the preamp, it's a little brittle on the high end, which apparently a lot of other people have mentioned too when I did some research on the base. So maybe at some point I'll upgrade the preamp, but otherwise it's just a fantastic playing and sounding bass. Segment two. Brent's heavy soapbox, weighing the options. So like I was mentioning in the last segment that uh, I was looking for a bass that was light because the HB bass really ruined it for me for, for all my other basses that were heavier and just the, the balance of it and how comfortable it is to be able to have a light bass is just a complete game changer. And the so, you know, I'm looking for a new bass. That's the big thing I'm looking for is a lightweight bass that you know, that's one of the main criteria I'm looking at. And if it fits that criteria, then I'm looking at all the other criteria. It's not the only thing I look at when, when looking at a base. I've, you know, I've got all my criteria and that has to be one of the things that, that uh, I'm considering it. And so what's funny is just you know, anytime you go on a, an internet forum and you see somebody talking about the weight of a bass, you always, always, always get somebody who goes, oh, you just need to go to the gym and work out more. That's like one of the most standard responses that you'll hear. And I, this segment of the podcast here is something for particularly for those particular people who make that comment, who are usually they're usually probably young and in shape. And so God bless them. That's great that uh, that works for them. But using that as a response to other people who are asking about base weight is just not the right answer to give people because there's so many things that that uh, come into play when when people are looking for a light base. Like number one, um, it can just be maybe that they're older. Like uh, myself, I'm uh, you know I'm I'm over fifty years old now. Um, yeah, I used to play you know heavy bases. I had my bases. You know my Stingray. One of them was pretty close to eleven pounds. And when I was younger, hey, no problem, I can do this. But as you get older, yeah, you feel it more. Um, gravity has more of an impact on you as you get older. And and uh, many years of having a heavy base slung over one shoulder kind of throw th throws things a little bit out of alignment. So that's one thing. Number two, you could have, I don't know, you could have been in a car accident or something, and maybe you broke your back or something, or you're in chronic pain. So you can't just tell that person, hey, go down to the gym and work out some more. Um, they might be under doctor's orders not to do that. Um, and so they're looking for a lighter base. Um, it could be maybe they have scoliosis or, or some other type of thing that's impacting them. Or maybe they just had, say, surgery and, you know, some type of abdominal surgery. And the doctor says, hey, for the next three, four or five months or whatever, you can't lift anything over 10 pounds. So now they've got weight restrictions, but they still want to, you know, play out and, and play their base and 
have something that they can still play standing up. So they got to get to an early light in the meantime. So there's there's so many things that impact the reason why somebody's looking for a lightweight base. It's not just, hey, go to the gym and work out more. Uh, you know, that's, God bless you again, if you if, if that works for you. And yes, I, I exercise regularly and try to keep myself in shape. But uh, yeah, as you get older, that's something that's harder and harder to do. And you got to work harder at it. And, and there's still things that your body just won't let you yeah it'll just say yeah you know uh, you're working out you're doing you're doing your part but yeah we're just not going to be as nice to you anymore uh we're gonna we're gonna have some pain there we're gonna have some you know some aches and whatnot so yeah that's just part of life so uh if you're if you're on a forum and you see somebody talking about base weight don't give them the old oh you just got to work out more Uh, duh people know that (laughs) but not everybody's as young and healthy as you and if you're 70 years old and you still feel great playing a 12 pound base again god bless you but not everybody's the same not but not everybody has the same body and was blessed with the the, uh, the same attributes. And then the other thing that's funny is the, you know, when, when so many of the ads on, on the online for bases, they don't put weights on there. It's like, why can't you just put a weight on there? And, and otherwise you have to spend so much time. Okay. Message the seller. How much does this weigh? And then you got to wait for a response and you're trying to like, you know, filter out what you what base what bases you want on your favorites list and everything else and you've got to wait for responses and and it's funny how many <laughs> how many people are like yeah I don't know what the base is or oh I looked it up online and it's and the website says well no 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 you can't just give me you know what somebody else's base of the same model weighs there's variations and 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 how much you know, the instruments weigh one instrument from the same manufacturer, the same brand, the same model can vary by a pound or so. I mean, there's, I mean, I've got, I've now got a Lakeland base that is under eight pounds, but typically it runs over 10 pounds and sometimes as much as 11. So, I mean, we're talking about like a swing of, you know, three pounds or so. Uh, I mean, that's, that's significant. So, and then also you get the passive re- passive aggressive responses like I got one from a seller that was like oh well if if a few ounces are going to matter to you then maybe this isn't the base for you it's like oh my gosh really I mean <laughs> you're going to give me that response and and this is like a seller that you know it's a store um, you know so they sell musical instruments on a regular basis you're telling me you know this isn't you don't have other people asking about this and it's not important for you to just give them this simple criteria invest in a $10 scale that'll you know, tell you how much the bass weighs and just put that in as one of the attributes as the bass. Just like I want to know how many strings that it does it have, you know, what kind of pickups does it have? Well, and how much does it weigh? I mean, it's just one of the criteria of the bass. That should be a standard thing that we should be able to get to know. And I think that's why, you know, Sweetwater and other businesses that, that list bass weights are selling a lot of instruments because, People want to know what the weights are, and they're like, "Hey, I'm going to I'm going to go buy from here because they tell me what the weight of the instrument is before I buy it. I can actually pick the one out that I want." So, uh, yeah, just a little message to sellers out there: if somebody wants to know the weight of the base, let them know and be uh, proactive. Put it in your your description. Just go ahead and weigh the base. Put it in your description because then you can weed out 
all of the messages from all the people that are going to be texting you and saying, what's the way to the base? What's the way to the base? What's the way to the base? Now you could just have it on there and nobody has to text you to, to find out because everyone who's asking that question, if you're like, well, I don't want to list it on there because my base is too heavy. Well, then once they text you and they find out it's too heavy, they're not going to buy the base anyway. And you've just spent time responding to their inquiry. So just put the weight on there. And the people that it doesn't matter to, it doesn't matter to, they're going to buy the base. And the people that go, oh, that's too heavy for me, they move on and then they don't bug you. So anyway, that's, that's, my, that's my soapbox for, for today. All right, so that's it for another episode of the Bass Guitar Worship Blender podcast. Thanks so much for listening, as always. And uh, if you like this podcast, definitely give it a five-star review. That would really help us out. And also, make sure to check us out on our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com forward slash worship blender. And got lots of videos on there, always trying to post new stuff. Just did a, a posting of my review. I meant to, I started doing like last year uh, my review of both the uh, Nordstrand 51 Split J pickups and also the Short Circuit Electronics uh, Sacrilege control plate for the jazz bass. Those of you that listen regularly will probably remember my, my interview with Jeremy, the owner of Short Circuit Electronics, from a few episodes ago. Uh, so I finally got that review done and online. And uh, yeah, what else is new? Oh, uh, I've been running sound at a church. And so one of the things I did, here's what I'm going to leave you with for the uh, end of the podcast here, is I've been making some recordings when I'm running sound. I'll bring my laptop with me and hook it up to the board and capture all the tracks individually from the board to my, my DAW software. And I've been doing some remixes at home and then syncing that up to the uh, church live stream video and then re- you know sending that out to the church uh, webpage or to the Facebook page, kind of sharing like oh because you know live stream mixes never sound that great and even though i'm running sound now it's impossible to do a live to do a live mix and a live stream mix at the same time you really need two people to do that so yeah the live stream mix is never that great so being able to remix it at home give it some studio polish sync it up and then post it for the church has been kind of a cool thing to do and it sounds really good it's a it's a nice uh, audio improvement from what's on there. And, uh, but, uh, this last time that I did the recording of the uh, service, um, I ended up, I thought, well, there's a few th- instruments that aren't quite, you know, uh, syncing up as well as they normally should. So I'll just replace a few things. And next thing I know, I kind of replaced all the instruments on the, uh, on the track, except for the acoustic guitar. And, uh, but the vocals were really strong. And so I kind of did a completely, completely different style, uh, mix of the song is like, I took it from like a nice worship song to, yeah, to like a, a dance remix or something. Um, so uh, <laughs> it's that song Make Room, which is really a great worship song. Really love it. Um, but yeah, I took it in a completely different direction. So I'm going to leave you with that. This is my remix of Make Room by our worship team, but kind of with me replacing most of the instruments except for the uh, guitar. So I hope you enjoy it and I hope to see you for the next episode. God bless you. Thanks for listening.